Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, Carolina's regular season has wrapped up, so we're going to go through, take a look at some of the bowl games that Carolina is being projected to, and we're going to tell you which matchup we like the best and which bowl game overall might be the best experience for fans, uh, just to kind of determine where we might want to see the Tar Heels go on Sunday when they will officially receive their bowl designation. We also will play a game of stay or go. We did the article. That was pretty popular. So just in case you missed the article, uh, we won't go quite as in-depth as I did in the article, but we'll talk a little bit about some of the coaches that a lot of people have been suggesting they would like to see go. Penny have not been saying stay, but we'll play a little stay or go uh, with those names. Uh, we'll also tell you about the Tar Heels that did receive all ACC honors earlier this week. But we do start with the latest news from around Tar Heel football, which is that the Tar Heels did have two uh, players enter the transfer portal earlier today. That was Bo Corrales and Eugene Asante. Neither one overly shocking, um, but... I'll say this, I think with Bo Corrales, that was one that we were really hoping would be able to come back because Carolina, that means they have now lost three of the five wide receivers on the depth chart that came in uh, to the summer in, in that three deep. This one, this one stings a little bit because we were talking about Carolina lacking that red zone threat at wide receiver. They, we thought there was a chance that they could get Bo Corrales back. And what hurts with this one is that it looks like Corrales is going to get that extra year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he's not going to use it at Carolina. Yeah, I see, I, I've got some mixed emotions, by the way. I'm Josh Marlowe, the co-host of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Yeah, it's a good right. I was told before we started the show, just for people that want to go a little behind the scenes here, that we needed to move it along quick because somebody has to watch his Dallas Cowboys football team. So, 
I'm I, moving it along briskly, and your need, name may have been left out. Still it's to, okay. Still need to be introduced. So here's the thing. Today it sucks because, like, Bo kind of etched his name in Tar Heel fans. Like, we, we love Bo. You he know, was one of those guys that wasn't – he will not be in a lot of record books. But he's just one of those guys that you grew to really like. But – and so, like, while in the short term I think it's it, it stinks because you're most likely going to have a different quarterback and all that, in a lot of ways, though, it's probably the best thing for Carolina because – You've got young receivers on your roster that you believe are more talented than Bo Corrales, and you're bringing in more receivers that are just as talented. This is the perfect time with Sam Howell leaving with the youth. We think. We think. That hasn't been confirmed yet. Okay, he's leaving. With the youth movement, I guess is what you want to say, because we all believe that this year some of the super seniors might have held certain position groups back, but you weren't going to tell those guys no. I don't, think, I don't think Bo would have been that guy, but, right? I don't not, know. Not with the group that you saw out there this year. But you, honestly, I, here's I, the, I you, think it's the best thing for you because you gotta, you're, you're moving forward. Well, you're moving forward with your guys now. He wasn't a Mac Brown guy. Oh, come on. Don't know. Look, yes. this is year three. These are Mac it Brown does, guys. Everybody is a Mac Brown guy. It does not matter at this point if you were recruited by Larry Fedora or not. That's an excuse that people were using for Jay Bateman on the defensive side of the football. They have been with this team for three years. These are Mac Brown guys. It does not matter. If they were not, they would have already been in the transfer portal and they would have been gone. So uh, I've got like 30 names that are haven't entered the portal yet. They're all Mac Brown guys. Yeah, I mean, list them off at this point. Because, yes, if you are on this team for three or more years, dude, Larry Larry Fedora is not even in coaching right now. I'm sorry. These are now Mac Brown guys. If not, then you should have forced these guys out of your program. It's just that simple. So you can't say these aren't your guys. Like, I, I that's not an excuse anymore. That I saying, don't have my guys. I'm not saying from an, from an excuse standpoint. Right, but, but n- now what would, what this allows is now you're seeing what Mac Brown wants because this is what they've recruited. So now, n- now I get what you, I get what you're saying because the whole what what Mac Brown has won with outside of Sam Howell has been largely Larry Fedora guys, just with a different coaching staff. Right. Well, now with all these with you losing now look you now look you recruited Emory, and stuff like that. But now that Bo's gone. The majority of these guys next year are going to be guys that you recruited to fit your vision with Phil Longo's offense, and now it'll be a more telling point, especially if he doesn't make any changes. Well, now it makes it easier to identify what the what the problems will be in Chapel Hill. Yeah, and I, I think this could definitely be a, a concern going into next year. Um, I, I mean, experience-wise, Carolina somehow comes out of this season and going into next season – with less experience than they did coming into this year. It's a good thing the transfer portal is already well, blowing up. That's yeah, that's the area where Carolina needs to get aggressive in the transfer portal. And this is one of the spots that I think if you had told me coming into the season, Carolina will have to go out and be aggressive in the transfer portal at wide receiver. I would have said, you're joking, right? Now it's like, yeah, I mean, because... We saw a little bit of J.J. Jones at the end of the season. Wasn't extensive. We didn't see any of Kobe Paysauer. 
So, I mean, they got to find somebody that could step up. Andre Green Jr. has a lot of potential, but he's a true freshman. So that's the concern is the guys on the outside right now, you're pretty thin. I mean, you got Antoine Green, Justin Olsen, J.J. Jones, Kobe Paysauer, and Tylee Craft. That's your group right now. Well, so you got to find somebody out there. That's you know, why getting Bo back would have helped you a lot. It's not going to be hard to sell people to come play in your offense because you just you put two yeah. dudes in oh, the yeah. NFL. And Josh Downs has had the best individual season in the history of a wide receiver to ever play at Carolina. You're going to mm -hmm. attract talented wide receivers. Even with Sam Howell gone, you're going to attract uh, talented receivers to come play because Phil Longo's offense has a – now has a record of three years of saying dudes are going to find grass and dudes are going to produce. Yeah, and, and they got to get aggressive early because you're already starting to see with these coaching changes, a lot of big names are entering the portal. Um, but looking at a Eugene Asante real quick, I, I mean. This, I, this man went from being predicted to have more than 115 tackles. You want to know the best part? To the portal. We didn't even get to recapping our bowl predictions yet. And this man is in the portal. It, it is crazy, but This look, man didn't want to get slandered. He just said, I'm dipping. This is why when it comes to the guy behind him that I think is going to take on a bigger role because of this move, you got to be a little cautious. We saw him last year in the Orange Bowl game. We thought, man, this dude is going to be unreal. Jay Bateman told you he's a more natural fit than the guy that was playing ahead of him. And the guy that was playing ahead of him looked pretty good. Yeah, that and, and the sad part was I believe that, not because of Jay Bateman, because I saw him in that Orange Bowl game and thought, yeah, plus I watching his high school tape, you would have thought that. But he, he was just – when he lost that starting job against Virginia – in the games that you saw him the rest of the way, he had so many missed tackles. Mm. It just he would, you could tell that he really let it get to him that he got his spot taken. And look, I mean, it's hard to not justify that was one of the moves that Tommy Thigpen and and, and I guess you got to give Jay Bateman a little bit of credit there made, um, but was moving Cedric Gray into his starting role because man, Cedric Gray had a good year. But he ends up entering the portal. Now that probably means more of a role, pretty much a guaranteed role next year for Power Eccles or Ra Ra Dilworth. One of those two will be starting. I would be shocked unless mm -hmm. they're going into the portal and they find somebody they think is a better fit. I don't think that's going to be the move. So I think it's one of those two guys. Power Eccles looked pretty good in the most reps that we've seen him this year against Wake Forest. But I think there's reason to be a little bit cautious after what we saw from Eugene Asante in the bowl game and, and how quickly we kind of jumped to some of those expectations. Yeah, but again, I know you just got really ticked off about the whole Matt Brown guys or whatever. If, if Jay Bateman's back and you got to have Power Eccles or Ra-Ra Dilworth on the field, you're going to find out, okay, did he – did he recruit the guys the best way to fit his scheme? Well, Eugene Asante was a Jay Bateman recruit. And I know. And so, okay, well, he's already strike one, right? right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It didn't work out. Well, then if it then if it happens with Dilworth or with Eccles, then it's like, okay. And we believe those guys are uber-talented individuals. And I think yes, they are uber-talented individuals. And it doesn't work out. And Jay Bateman's back. It's more of an indictment on the, the coaching and the scheme. Yep. And so, the bowl game – I know I bitched about the bowl game the last podcast, Ooh. but this is where it's going to become important for these guys. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
those 15 practices and then those live reps in-game, they, they don't matter, but they do matter when you're projecting into next season. And as we've talked about since this season went downhill, the pressure isn't going to be lessened next year at all. It's going to be heightened. And so it's going to be important for these guys to enter spring ball with some confidence and with some game experience, which the bowl game will provide. Yeah, and, and look, they are also going to add some really talented guys at inside linebacker uh, in, in the upcoming early signing class. It looks like both Sebastian Cheeks and uh, Deuce Caldwell will both sign in the early signing period. Also, Gabe Stevens, who is kind of a hybrid guy. It's really tough to see where exactly he lands at. So when He Cheeks, could be in there. When Cheeks plays bad, can we say he's playing like Cheeks? <laughs> yeah, also when uh, when Deuce is having a bad game, he's dropping a deuce on the field. I wonder if he flushes it and looks at it like Jalen Hurts does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We'll have to ask Deuce that if he comes on the pot. That We're hoping, by the way, to get some of those guys that we just talked about there. Uh, we will not be asking Sebastian Cheeks if uh, people say that he's playing like Cheeks sometimes. <laughs> that, that will not make it uh, to the airwaves. But uh, – Look, let's move on, talk about the bowl games. As you mentioned, Carolina's going to get into one. We don't know exactly which one they'll get at those extra bowl practices, which will be huge. And looking at, at the projections, the one I see the most on here, um, it, it's a tie between two. The Dukes-Mayo Bowl, very popular, makes a lot of sense. Carolina playing back here in Charlotte. Um, interestingly enough, uh, the, the two that I've seen most recently uh, from the Action Network and from Yahoo Sports both have them playing South Carolina, mm -hmm. which would mean that Carolina, because they opened the 2023 season with South Carolina, that would mean that within a five-year span, Carolina would have played the Gamecocks three times inside of Bank of America Stadium by the year 2023. So that could be interesting. Auburn's the other team that's projected there. I, I, ah, that, that one could be a little bit tougher, although T.J. Finley didn't look great in his last game. Um, he had some health. He, he was limping around. So who knows, maybe two banged-up quarterbacks potentially playing against each other. Um, that, that could be something that could be on the horizon. The other one that's extremely popular, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Two matchups that I've seen uh, have them slated against Penn State. I'm going to be honest, don't really want any part of that. Uh, I think Penn State, you know, they, they definitely are trending down from the start of the season, but I still feel like that's a really, really good team. I don't know if Carolina's offensive line can handle that defensive front. Uh, they do have the other one slated against Maryland. Hmm, rather interesting. Um couple of the other ones, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, that's shown up a couple of times. Remember Carolina went out there in 2016. It was at that time the Hyundai Sun Bowl against Stanford. Both of those have Carolina matching up against Arizona State. Jaden Daniels would be playing in that game. He just announced that he's coming back today. So that's noteworthy. Uh, and then the Gasparilla Bowl, also one that has uh, two projections for Carolina in that matchup, Carolina would be playing against Western Kentucky and one of the most underrated quarterbacks uh, in the country and potentially in the upcoming draft in Bailey uh, Zappi. So, um, you know, you look at some of these bowl projections, I, I mean, first of all, I, I would say first from a matchup standpoint, which one of these kind of attracts you the most? Because to me, there's one that stands out above all of them. Actually, two, I'll say, that stand out above all of them. A matchup standpoint in terms of Carolina winning 
or just matchup standpoint, just seeing. Two I mean, teams however, play. however you interpret it. Out of uh, that. Matchup standpoint, South Carolina. Um, I'd like to see those two teams play again. Um, Penn State would be a lot of fun. Um, I think a, for Penn State that might be a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, I'm a. I'm not. I'm not gonna say I'm a Penn State guy, but I've always rooted for Penn State. You're. You, wait a second. So let's air this out. You first of all, Big Ten. You are just a Big Ten guy. You like just about every Big Ten team except Ohio State. I'm a Big Ten prostitute. Um, Michigan. I, I I'm a clo- now I'm a closet Michigan man. Um, I like Penn State. Like Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> Iowa. They Mi- probably in there. Minnesota. Oh, that, yeah. Um, you know, so also Penn State, Carolina be a great uniform matchup if you're into that type of thing. Um, Arizona State, nah, that didn't really do anything for me. The uh, only angle on that one is if Sam Howell plays. Howell against Jaden Daniels, same recruiting class, two pretty good prospects. Other than that, I'm with you. Um, West Virginia, because it's at the Cheez-It Bowl, that would just be drunk because that bowl that's game. California, yeah. that's That bowl game's always weird. So here's the thing with that one, and, and that's sporting news. That's our guy Bill Bender. That is – the Cheez-It Bowl is seen as a pretty high-profile bowl in terms of the rankings of the bowl game. I don't think Carolina's going right. – that that would take a lot of maneuvering. Um, but then the Maryland thing would be intriguing to Tar yes. Heel fans. Yes. Because older Tar Heel fans hate Maryland. And – well, hang on. I hate Maryland because they <laughs> left the ACC. You do realize that Grievous Vasquez will not be playing quarterback well, in this game. Well, once they left the ACC, we started bringing in all these other schools that, frankly, no, oh. one, no one gives a damn about Here in the ACC footprint. Is the Jim Phillips soapbox coming out? But that, We don't have time for that. That would be a lot of fun. Um, and I think the best bowl game experience for our players would be to play at the new era pinstripe bowl because that's – in, that's still played in Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. and that's that's probably the coolest non-playoff game or non-New Year's Six Bowl game that that we have because you play on a baseball field. Usually the weather's not good. Well, that's not the only baseball field they could be projected to play in this group. There's a new one this year. The the by the way, great sponsor Wasabi Finway Bowl. Oh yeah, no. Um. <laughs> so you know, shot that down pretty quick. That you you put them Carolina and Maryland on the same field. That'll draw a lot of Tar Heels fans' interest into that game because yeah, yeah. Um, they, you know, there's still some hard feelings with the Terrapins. So I think from a winning the game standpoint, the most attractive to me is Central Florida. In the Fenway Bowl, because uh, I'd rather play Western Kentucky. No, no, Dylan Gabriel, and that team almost got beat in the game before Carolina played State on Friday by South Florida at home. So they're not playing well at all. I think that could be a really good game, especially if Sam Howe doesn't play. That could be a really good game to ease Drake May, Jacoby Criswell in. Let them get you know some some meaningful reps in, in a game that would still be a little bit tough. They still have some talent, but nowhere near what they used to. Western Kentucky's tricky because Carolina's got a beat up secondary and Bailey Zappi. 
His numbers are ridiculous. He's thrown for, I mean, his numbers are very similar to Joe Burrow's his senior year. Now, he plays at Western Kentucky, but he's still having a, a crazy season. Um, Remember when Mike White lit the college football world up at Western Kentucky? And everyone thought. Not to, not to that level, though. He threw like 50 touchdowns in a year, and everyone thought, my Cowboys drafted him. And we were sitting there. He couldn't even beat out Cooper Rush. Dude. He might have been the future. Now he so was, did Jets fans. He was the future a month ago when he beat the Bengals coming off the bench. Look, if if Carolina can't beat Western Kentucky, oh, I'm not saying that they couldn't beat them, but I think if you're looking for the easiest matchup, I'm making the case that right now with Central Florida and how many guys they've lost, I feel like that's probably the easiest matchup. I think well, Gus Monson hasn't forgot how to coach offense. Yeah, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They if we've scored, gotten better at coaching defense. They scored seventeen against South Florida. Uh, by the way, by the way, former Tar Heel uh, Cade Fortin, he's Trans- in the transfer portal again, and a former Tar Heel did land at South Florida as well. Clyde Pinder Jr. going to South Florida. So there you go. A couple of nice notes thrown in there. Um, I also think Maryland, kind of a favorable matchup for Carolina. Um, and same thing with West Virginia. I think those two are kind of in that category where they're power fives that Carolina could could probably win. Um, Take me home. But, yeah, can you imagine playing that and then our fight song t- saying go to hell Duke in the middle of California? I don't even remember. Where is that game played? Is that San Francisco? Yeah. I mean, just uh, that would just be random. Um, from a personal standpoint, Clearly, you'd want to see him here in Charlotte. Easiest ticket to get to. You go see him play South Carolina or Auburn. Auburn, what will be inter- what would be interesting about Auburn is, remember, they were scheduled to play each other at the start of last year. Now, the problem is, is that more than likely, the matchup would be no Sam Howell, no Bo Nix. Yeah, no but Bo. the interesting slant on that is, let's say Drake May gets his first career start. No Bo, no go. He gets... Settle down over there, you four-year-old. Uh, if Drake May gets his first career start, he could also, a former Charlotte high school quarterback, get his first start in Bank of America Stadium like Sam Howell did. That could be an interesting slant. And it, especially if, if it's against South Carolina, hmm, that could that could be something right there. Yeah. Um, now, what about from this angle real quick? In terms of the experience of the game for the players and for the fans, I think you hit on something. I think the New Era Pinstripe Bowl is where it's at. That's the coolest. To me, that's once they brought that or they 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 took the bowl game there because they that bowl games existed, but they used to play it at MetLife or whatever. The the, the Giants. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not. That's not a great experience. But when I'm they sorry. moved it into Yankee Stadium, look, it, this is still – it's not even the old Yankee Stadium, but look, it's still Yankee Stadium. It's still cool. It's got a big game feel yeah. for a smaller bowl game. Um, And it's – that I'm more apt to turn that game on than the Gasparilla Bowl. Oh, if I, if Raymond, Raymond James, which, by the way, how many bowl games does Raymond James Stadium host? I mean, my God. Like, can we can we get a new location? So seriously, um, and you know, look, Fenway will probably be the same way playing in in, in in Fenway Stadium. That is the. I think that's that that would be cool. I think in terms of the overall experience, there's more to do in New York City. There's so many different sites that you get to go see. Where Boston is kind of just like, 
I mean, Fenway's one of pretty much the most so famous here's the thing, thing there. about Boston. Bostonians, they're worse than New Yorkers. So like, yeah, they're so yeah, like, they're up there. Like the hospitality is going to be even worse. So, wait a second, there's not a Philly game on here. It's right? it's not going to be good if you go to New York or Boston. The hospitality <laughs> isn't good because the people up there are just jerks. But it's even worse than Boston. So you're not going to have a good time touring the city, and it's going to be cold. But Fenway's Fenway, and it's a majestic yeah. beauty. And I would make the broadcasting crew call the game outside on top of the monster. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, Mike. Well, see, here's the thing. It wouldn't be as bad because that is, believe it or not, an 11 a.m. bowl game. That's that's <laughs> where they should put so, Dan Orzlowski, if Dan has to call the game, put him on top of the oh monster. My, come on, man. Why are you hate on Dan? Dan would probably be at the pinstripe bowl, by the way, out of that group. Because um, those are all on the same day, by the way, too. But, yeah, I, th- I think those are probably the two most attractive. I mean, I guess... I guess the Cheez-It Bowl going out to going out to the West Coast could be kind of cool, but like the I don't know. I, I don't. I, other than that, like, look, the, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, dude. There, look, we been we we go to Charlotte every day. That come on, yeah, Charlotte's overrated. The Sun Bowl's still <laughs> a great experience because of where it is located in terms of like the food and stuff like that. You're kind of in the middle of nowhere, though. It's not. I don't feel like it's this great like destination spot. Have you heard the reviews about the food in El Paso? I mean, look, look. It's elite Tex-Mex. Look, for fat guys like us, yes. Okay, we would go there in a heartbeat. One, because we're fat. Two, we love Tex-Mex. I mean, we're Chipotle dudes through and through. But, yeah, I I mean. uh, Could eh. you imagine seeing Mac Brown wearing a damn sombrero? They don't actually do that, do they? Not on the sideline. No, but. Yeah. Look, with all the pre-bowl festivities, there's probably a time where he has to wear one of those things. Give me that image. By the way, I could not, if they have to do that, I can just see Sam Howell sitting up there with the straightest face on planet Earth that, wearing that, wearing that, would, wearing that hat. That would, that would make up for the, the <laughs> that, frustration Hey, of look, the man, look, may not have been the greatest year, but seeing Mac Brown in a sombrero, yes. that's going to put it over the top. Exactly. By the way, do you think that Phil Longo would wear the sombrero or no because he doesn't want to mess up his sweet cut. No, I don't think he would. Yeah, I don't think he put it He's on. Too I'm gonna stingy. be honest. I'm gonna be honest. Oh, damn. Wow. All right. Well, we're gonna get into Phil Longo, Jay Bateman, a couple of the other guys here coming up. Uh really quickly, let's take a uh quick break and let you hear from our draft our uh sponsor, DraftKings, and then we'll come back, uh do a little bit of uh stay or go when it comes to the coaches and tell you about the Tarios that landed on the all ACC team. Stick with us here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars 
and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, guys. Welcome back into the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Uh, make sure you guys go over, check out those great deals uh, that we've been giving to you here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast for DraftKings, as well as Josh has been giving you over on the uh, four corner side of things for the basketball team. So make sure you check out all those great deals. Uh, they got all sorts of stuff on there. They got football, as we've been telling you about, uh, as well as uh, hockey, basketball, all that great stuff over there on DraftKings uh, Sportsbook. Uh, so let's get into a little bit of stay or go. This will be relatively quick here. We'll just kind of throw out some names that people have been bringing up. Clearly, <laughs> we got to start with the guy that we've been saying probably the most here on the show, which, by the way, I can't believe there's another guy later on in the list that we have talked about a lot and I feel like Jay Bateman may have surpassed him. I just gave it away, by the way. Great tease, you moron. Um, you see, you got your teases. There we go. You're supposed to tease the intro and the outro. Okay, settle down. Settle down over there. Jay Bateman, to say he's on a hot seat in our perspective, might be putting it lightly. Um, I think at this point, it's his his defense has just been trending in the wrong direction every single year. When your best year is your first year with so-called not your guys, mm. as you've been saying at your not you, but Jay Bateman has been saying and many people around the program, that's really not that great. I'm concerned about the direction of the goals for Carolina if Jay Bateman stays in place. For me personally, I think he's got to go. He should have already been gone. Yeah. The regular season came to a close for you six days ago, the day we're recording. Now, if you didn't want to be mean and fire him that night, you give him to Saturday. You want to fire him on Saturday because he was having a late Thanksgiving dinner? That's fine. You do it on Sunday. Even Sunday. Maybe you don't want to fire him. But you bring that tail in at 6 a.m. and say, get an early start on your Cyber Monday hey, shopping, Hey, and be, you're fired. Be respectful with... He should have already have been fired. Hey, all I'm saying is be respectful. Um, bring the man in at Brian Kelly's time. Yeah. 7 a.m. 7 a.m. for right? a two-minute conversation. <laughs> I, if he's if your defensive coordinator after the season... And we're entering next season with him. Don't expect me to believe that you're going to be a good football team next year. Because he hasn't, I'm with you. He hasn't proven. I, I'm, I'm right there with he you. He hasn't honestly. proven to be a good defensive coach. And look, the most the most frustrating thing is that there are other coaches that are running the same type of defense he's running, and are having more success than he's having. He's not a power five defensive coordinator. That's what he's proven for three years. You look. You're in your third year with this defensive scheme. You have trended backwards every single year, as I said. This year, 
in every major defensive category, you were outside of the top 80 in the country. You're a below average defense. Not even an average defense. You're a below average defense in year three. That just, I mean, something has got to change. And I mean, I think the I, I think the other night against NC State was a great representation of what's happened with his defenses at times. They had a really, really good game plan early on in that game against NC State. And they executed it all the way until late in that fourth quarter. And then for some reason, you decided not to drop everybody straight back up nine with two minutes to go in the game. I don't care if it was a version of cover three or whatever. You should not have been trying to bracket a receiver in that case. Your goal is keep everything in front of you. They didn't. That's on the coaching. That's on the execution as well. But the coaching needs to take some blame there. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't see a scenario where you should be keeping Jay Bateman. Nope. And yet, I, I, don't, I don't have the confidence that they're going to move on from him. Let's go to the other side of the ball, and let's go to Phil Longo. Because believe it or not, I've seen some people that want him gone over Jay Bateman. Th- that answer is stay. That's ridiculous. That answer is stay. Move on. We're, we're not entertaining that stupidity. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, I am so tired of seeing this on there. The man's success speaks for itself. And I don't give a damn about the, well, he ran the ball three times on first and goal. Have you seen this offensive line? Had they gotten a first down, they wouldn't have complained. Or, or had or first gotten the touchdown had there. they scored a touchdown. I but those about. same people are complaining about the fact, well, why'd he run it on third and three? See, those are the I people. I mean, it, it just, oh, it just blows my mind. Those are the people that should go from the fan base. I mean, it just blows my mind. Like, I don't pack, understand. Pack your bags, go to Walmart, buy an NC State t-shirt, and move on with your life. Yeah, exactly. Hop on a tractor. And take it back to your house. I, yeah, I'm just I, I I that one just blows my mind. Stacy Searles. Go. Yeah. That was during the bye week. I, that, yeah. that move should have been made. Yeah, I, I think this one is very clear. And again, the last two games against FBS opponents, if you had any sort of questions about it, it, it solidified that thought. You allowed uh eleven sacks in your last two or no, maybe ten, excuse me. Ten sacks. In your last two games against FBS opponents, almost two-thirds of their sacks this year overall came on the road. Yep, go. Come on, man. Gone. Can't happen. Can't happen. Uh, Tim Cross on the defensive line. This has been brought up a lot. This one, I think, might be the one that gives you the most pause. With Phil Longo, it was very clearly stay. This one, I think there's good cases on both sides. But I lean, I lean stay. I say give him one more year with this group. Yeah, I, I would go stay as well. You look at the job he did this year with some young defensive linemen, Miles Murphy. Um, you've got Javari Ritzy, a guy that I just am going to gush over. There's talent there. Mm-hmm. And I think if you make some schematical changes and you put those guys in better situations to make plays, I do feel like they can make those plays. Um, he's also he brings some energy on the recruiting trail. 
He I, has been recruiting out of this world, by the way, too. Remember, he's got a five, one of the best players in the country in Travis Shaw coming in that he was a big part of recruiting. So, so I would I would say stay, but he enters next year saying you got to prove it or, yep. or you're gone. I am 100% with you on that one. And I think one of the things that people have brought up is he doesn't have his true nose tackle. Let's see what happens when he does get that guy. Okay, I agree with that. I, I think that's, that's reasonable for sure. Um... Javon DeWitt is the last one. I've seen this. Special teams coordinator, of course. Also outside linebackers coach. I've seen a lot of people that say, based on the one game the other night, they, they should let him go. I don't know if I'm there because this special team's outside of really just the onside kick the other night and, of course, the block punts. I think they've looked pretty pretty good this year for the most part they took the step that Mac Brown wanted to see now it was a horrendous finish to the season um but I don't know if I'm there with that I will say this he cannot be the outside linebacker you need a different guy to coach your edge rushers because I mean look Tamon Fox is did, did what Tamon Fox does he had eight sacks and they all came in spurts outside of Tamon Fox this unit was extremely unproductive this season. And they've got guys that came in that were talented players. And the talent is is there, clearly. I think you need a new coach of your edge rushers. I'd be okay with him staying as your special teams guy. But if it's either both or none, he's got to go. Yeah, that's a really good point by you. I, I thought the special teams, they were manageable. Um, they They improved up until... That last game, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to live in a society where you're only, as, you know, I, where that last game gets you canned. I would re, replace him or just remove his title as outside linebackers coach. Definitely, but you know that's been the one position group in terms of special teams that Mac Brown hasn't had hasn't been hesitant to make a change whenever he's felt the need to make a change because Carolina needs to be special in the special teams aspect of their football team. But as a special teams coach. I'd run it back. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm 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 with you 100% on that. Um, yeah. Hopefully they can find. I don't know if Tim Cross coaches the guys on the edge, but I think you got to find somebody else out there. Uh, so let's wrap it up with our closing notes. Uh, Eleven Tar Heels receive All ACC honors. The first team, no shock here. Josh Downs, first team All ACC guy. Uh, honestly, I didn't see the voting for Player of the Year. I'd be interested to see how many votes he actually got. Kenny Pickett won that award as we thought he would. That was pretty clear. But, man, Josh Downs had a hell of a season. I mean, mm. it definitely deserved to be a first-team guy. With a first name like that, what do you expect? Jeez, oh, yeah. yeah what, a, what a successful first name, yet somebody's working a part-time job in radio. That's one of Jesus' disciples, so let's be easy. To, to be fair, I was a saint. St. Anthony. That's so. not a disciple, though. Nah, it's still a saint. That's, that's pretty high. That's, that's below, pretty high ranking. That's below disciple. Is that, is that true? Is well, that the he, ranking? He walked with Jesus. <sighs> yeah. He had to walk, though. Um, They <laughs> <laughs> didn't have wheelchairs back then. Jesus. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Second team all ACC, uh, Ty Chandler uh, and Miles Murphy. I, I'm going to be honest here. I did take a look at the second team. I was seeing if Miles Murphy may have been put on by accident and they thought they were putting on the other Miles Murphy from Clemson. But he did make the second team as well. They both did. Um, yeah. Solid year for Murphy. 
Uh, it's just he's a, he's a guy that in the second half of the season he disappeared. He did not have a tackle for loss or sack in any of the last five games of the season. He got off to a great start, but kind of stalled out as the season went along. I still think he's he's got a pretty bright future. I like some of the things that I saw from him. I thought some of those games late in the year as well, there were some no calls that went against him where he got into the backfield and made nice penetration and, and unfortunately just couldn't contribute on the tackle. Also, he plays interior defensive line, so at times the stats can be a little bit misleading as to just how impactful he was. But Ty Chandler, man, he, he I think he came pretty close to being a first-team guy because he was top five in the league in rushing yards, scrimmage yards, rushing yards per attempt, touch rushing touchdowns and scrimmage touchdowns. So he had a heck of a year. I think it kind of flew under the radar a little bit because Carolina definitely didn't have the year that many were expecting, but definitely deserving of the second-team All-ACC award. Third-team All-ACC, Taman Fox, Jeremiah Gimmel, <laughs> and Cameron Kelly. Um, it's been a bad year in the ACC for secondary play. Well, here's the thing. Cameron Kelly, four interceptions, tied for the league lead. There wasn't that guy that was a real standout in interceptions. Honestly, I mean, I, I would I would have been okay with him being a, an, an honorable mention or third-team guy. I think the, it, Cameron Kelly is a dude that is such a hit-or-miss player. We've known that for years. A lot of the guys in the secondary are like that, but especially Cameron Kelly. He's either making a big play or letting up a big play. That's just that's how he's been his entire career. Um, so, look, I mean, he earns third-team All-ACC honors. He had 56 total tackles this year as well, so he contributed in the run game. So, uh, it, definitely a guy that, if you look at the stats, which is what a lot of these people go off of when they vote on this stuff, he was deserving of being a third-team guy. Tamon Fox, eight sacks this year, nine-and-a-half tackles for loss. But, again, we, as we talked about, the reason he's not higher here is that he just it, it comes in spurts? He has games where he plays really, really well, and then he has other games where he disappears. So that's kind of that. That was kind of him his entire career. Jeremiah Gimmel, very well deserving. Uh, didn't have quite the year we probably thought in terms of stacking up uh, the tackles and everything like that. But a guy that's worked hard his entire career and was a real leader for this Tar Heel defense uh, throughout uh, the last few years. So. Uh, earns the third team All-ACC honors. Honorable mentions, uh, Joshua Zudu, Tony Grimes, uh, who missed out on making the third team by one vote. Uh, Sam Howell, who I'm actually shocked didn't get more votes uh, at quarterback. He actually uh, was pretty far behind. I think it was almost almost 50 votes behind, um, or almost 60 votes behind, actually, Brendan Armstrong of Virginia, uh, Marcus McKeithen, and Raymond Vohasek as well, all receiving uh, all ACC honorable mentions. So uh, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, make sure you guys head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Bunch of great stuff up there. We'll, of course, have you covered with everything uh, with the Tar Heel Bowl game. I am going to wait to put out my breakdown of the projections and where I think Carolina will go or should go um, when we get them out on Saturday night after conference championship games go final. That'll mean everything is kind of set in stone there. So that's when I'll go ahead and release those to you guys so you can check that out before Carolina, of course, receives it on Sunday. Uh, the other thing, make sure that you guys 
Check out uh, all of the great stuff that we're going to have recruiting-wise coming up. We are now uh, just about two weeks away from early signing day, so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye on the website for all that great stuff. We're going to have you covered throughout that day um, and, and leading up to that day as well. Carolina, there could be some guys now that could be out there, uh, especially with the news that we received today that Virginia head coach Bronco Mendenhall is, in fact, stepping down. That is an interesting domino uh, for Carolina. They've had a lot of success in the state of Virginia. Could there be some guys freed up there as well? And then, of course, the other interesting aspect, as I said a little bit earlier, the transfer portal is going to be getting pretty loaded here. It's already got some really big names in there, but with all these coaches moving around and potentially more to come still with the Oklahoma job still being open and... Is there another job open? I'm getting lost here. No, Notre Dame got filled, that's right, by Marcus Freeman. So their class should stay intact, but Oklahoma's still open. So there could be some other transfers uh, that could come out of that, especially if it's a team like, you know, uh, Tennessee losing Josh Heupel there or something like that. That could be interesting. So make sure that uh, you keep an eye on the website for all that great stuff. And, of course, we'll take you through the bowl game as well with a preview recap and the stock report to round out the season. Um, so all that stuff will be up there on the website. Make sure that you guys also check out the basketball coverage that we got going on. Carolina got a huge win for this 2021-22 team uh, last night on the day of recording against Michigan. Uh, so make sure you guys go check out that recap. Uh, great breakdown of Carolina's big win, a 21-point victory over the number 24 Wolverines in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Carolina now preparing for a game against Georgia Tech on Sunday. That is a, a one lone conference game before then they go back into out-of-conference play and will then turn their sights on a game against UCLA in the next couple of weeks out in Las Vegas. Josh is going to have you covered throughout the season with all of that great stuff. I'll be helping him on the podcast side of things as we break down the year as well. That's the Four Corners podcast. You can check that podcast out along with this podcast uh, on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, or wherever you check out your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, tune in all those great apps you can check it out there and then uh, also make sure that you guys uh, check out the Facebook page that's a spot where you can see all the different stuff that we put up whether it's those articles those audio editions of the podcast still got some video editions that are coming up but once we get into the offseason we're going to go back to full audio it's just going to be a little bit easier on us to be able to do them um you know, audio-wise, uh, go to our, our other studio that we use and everything like that. Uh, so that, that'll probably be the setup uh, for the offseason. But then, of course, when we circle back around next year, we'll be back on video for you guys uh, during the season. So uh, make sure that you are, uh, you know, like that page uh, on Facebook and follow it so that you can get all that great stuff on your timeline, get notifications whenever we're premiering a video or audio edition of the podcast, all that great stuff. Uh, when you uh, like and follow that page. Also, go over to Twitter, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter, uh, and then check out our personal pages, at HTBAnthony for me, at HTBJosh for Josh, and at HacksNumber2 for Zach Hubbard, our recruiting guy. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels.